This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. There was talk over January that you, you might be moving somewhere else. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the papers, the lights are channel, the shit, really. Said podcast show. I'm David Michael, the editor of My Old Man Said. Do you like the blues? No, not those blues. The music. I think we're going for a bit of a bluesy vibe because it's more of the mood of this summer transfer window special. We normally start these recordings uh, for the podcast around the midnight hour. And uh, Dan and I, because uh, there was so much to talk about, I mean, there's nine players in, 14 players out over the window. We uh, chatted long and hard into the early hours of the uh, the night, as well as discussing players coming in in both directions. We focus on uh, those who stood still, notably the curious cases of uh, Micah Richards, Jordan Au, and Gabby Abonglahor. And, you know, we assess the transfers in terms of the sections of the team and how the keeper position stands and the state of the defence, midfield and uh, forwards. Apologies, uh, we were hoping to bring you this podcast about a week earlier, just before, uh, literally an hour before the uh, podcast was uh, due to record, I nipped out to the supermarket for 10 minutes and managed to get my phone stolen so uh, we had to postpone the recording there as I uh, locked down uh, all my security and remotely wiped my phone but anyway it's uh, it, it is it is hard fitting this in I mean Dan's had a new addition to the family as well so it's always uh, a bit tricky to uh, find the time to get everybody in sync to record but uh, We'll try our best and hopefully uh, we'll come up with a better solution uh, as we move forward. 
Before we get into the extended show, which is about twice the length of uh, the normal ones uh, so far, uh, just a quick shout out to the new My Old Man Said patrons who joined us in the last month or so. Uh, Stuart Rucker, Stephen Edwards, Lee Smith, Michael Niblett, Stuart Sinton, Steve Vincent, Ben Bradburn, Chris Stretch, thanks for the upgrade, mate, and Dunk McConnell. Those guys, awesome. Uh, if you want to join them uh, and become a My Old Man Said patron, go to myoldmansaid.com, look for patron in the menu bar, and all the details will be there to uh, help support the podcast, because without those guys, no way would we be doing this. So let's get into the show. And joining me to discuss the ins and outs of the whole transfer window over the summer, Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground blog. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Very well. Hello there. So, Villa have not been shy spending their parachute money. Aston Villa and Newcastle combined have spent more than the rest put together. Which I think the gross spend is $215 million, uh, spent by championship teams. Well, we, we've, pl- we've played some serious money into this and... I mean, sixty million quid. I think is is about what we we top out at. Um, considering about twenty five million pounds of that's on two strikers. It's... Yeah, I mean to put it in context. I mean, we spent more than Real Madrid. We've spent more than I think half the Premier League teams. Uh, at the last last time I saw uh, the Premier League spend, so we're not messing around here. Uh, obviously, Newcastle and Villa can't entertain life outside the Premier League for uh, more than a season uh, or two seasons tops. I mean, it's quite interesting in comparison uh, to see Norwich uh, didn't even spend half of what uh, Newcastle and Villa spent. Have we overspent? I think we've been in a position where we we needed massive overhaul. And, you know, you you won't often find myself comparing us uh, to to Newcastle that often, but you look at the two squads that came down. They needed huge overhaul, both of them. And I think that's reflected yeah. in the fact that both clubs have, regardless of our change in ownership, I think that, that we'd have had to have seen that huge change. Norwich, by contrast, I think have got a fairly robust championship team with some, you know, one or two players who I think that we, we pick up ourselves given the choice. Um, and they seem to be just, you know, they're sitting on, what, £100 million worth of parachute. Yeah. And you're probably thinking that they can be picky, be, be selective. I can see they've picked up a... You know, a couple of midfielders and a, and a, and the striker. Whereas you compare them to Newcastle and Villa, I mean, you look at you don't have to look at the ins and outs for both teams to realise that there's major issues there. Yeah, because I mean, New, uh, Norwich last season, you know, we're we're a team. They were perhaps just missing two or three quality players that you mm-hmm. need to mm-hmm. uh, you know keep yourself competitive in in the Premier League. A bit like Burnley in that in that respect. Uh, you know, they played very well as a team when they popped up to the Premier League, but it's just they didn't have that cutting edge. In, in terms of being concerned about about this spend, obviously, uh, I mean, and this applies to Newcastle as well, uh, you know, Dr. Tony had the parachute money. And uh, one of our listeners on uh, Twitter, Scott Haynes, uh, posed the question, uh, does Dr. Tony's spending have any financial fair play impact? I think he was particularly worried if we were going to drop 20 million on Hernandez. So what's your kind of take on the financial fair play impact beyond uh, the parachute money? I think that's pretty much, you know, that's why they can spend this money, surely. It's a simple case of turnover. It's no more complicated than that. What we've got to contend with is that 
a drop in turnover from from the Premier League and what's offset against the the parachute money that we get and the way that that's structured is quite interesting and it, it's funny to hear off the back of the fan consultation the two year plan because that's where the major major wedge of that 87 million pounds that we get that's when it drops you know the third mills that the third yeah. year sorry is chicken feed really by comparison at 14 million whereas the 80 the, sorry the 73 million that we get over the two years that's the that has to be used as the catalyst to get us back and i don't think it's any surprise that you know we're going into the market and we're we're trying to pick up people who will be the missing pieces to the jigsaw really and you can see through the recruitment that dimitano has been doing that They've been quite logical signings to improve us. We don't want to think two and three years down the line because the the major fallout of of having made high value, possibly high wage signings that we have is if if it doesn't come off, we've got a major problem. Um, but if it does yeah. come off, well, that money, as you say, with uh, add-ons and things, will will look quite shrewd, I suppose. Because I think the situation is uh, it's go hard now or go home. It, I think beyond two years, there hasn't been that much planning. Uh, I, th- I think it's almost you'd be scared to contemplate what could happen to Villa if they didn't go up in these ne- mm-hmm. next two seasons. Mm-hmm. Going back to the financial fair play, the way, for example, uh, it's almost been like a bit of a fire sale to get rid of some of the players. Like, for example, Yoris Akure, I don't think anybody would normally uh, in seasons past would have let him go for nothing. But uh, what Dr. Tony's said, obviously, uh, both Akore and Traore have got sell-on clauses. So uh, if they get sold, I think Traore leaving Middlesbrough is more likely. Uh, I mean, I can see Akore settling down at Copenhagen and playing a good few seasons there. So the upshot is get rid just to get rid of the wages, you know, take a hit on the uh, how many million they could have got for Akore. You know, they would have got been able to get something for Bennett, but uh, at the end of the day, they just want his wages off as well. Same with Vera too, uh, Sanchez, in terms of the kind of loan situation there. So financial fair play, when you've got the parachute payment, plus you're offloading players to get the wage, wages off the uh, the accounts, it's not much of an issue. And they're not really spending that, you know, ridiculous amounts of money because, of course, you know, there was also uh, outgoings as well to uh, at least balance the... Uh, the net spend uh, to a satisfactory level. It's it's worth pointing out as well that this this is a team that's been chronically underspent on for five years. So you know, I suppose Dr. Tony's playing a bit of catch up in some respects because he's inherited Di Matteo's strictly inherited, I suppose, a, a team that crashed out the Premier League in spectacular fashion that many of us would agree were we were very worried collectively, I think, as to what might happen to Villa if there wasn't significant radical overhaul of, of this squad. But if you go back, and you only have to go back one season, I mean, there was considerable spend then. We're not talking a big net spend, because obviously we sold Benteke and, and Delft, so that kind of balanced the books up. And, you know, that's what was quite disappointing, was there wasn't much of a net spend. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I mean, there was I mean, it was almost the same amount spent uh, last last year. So, you know, what is the difference? There was positivity uh, from the fan base because of this, you know, all these exotic sounding players that we'd bought in. Yeah, I, I think going back to, to when we sold Benteke in Delft, I mean, this is something that I guess everyone, everyone's been over in their minds a thousand times. We, we sold them and we didn't replace with like for like. We replaced yeah. with, well, we all know how it panned out. And I think at this time around, we seem to have in a very condensed, I mean, it's been an incredibly busy transfer window where so many new faces have come through the door, yet that there is a big, 
element of risk to this in some part, I guess. But it does feel like improvement. You know, you see the players, you know, you don't have to look at the names that have gone out, your Richardsons, um, your Bennett's, very underwhelming names, or players who we've seen and they've let us down. Les Scott's another one. For all of Akore's early promise, he was either injury-prone or was culpable for as many goals as any other Villa defender, to be honest. And I think that's the difference between this season and last season's close season. I think that last season there was this... This false promise, I think, of what might have been, where really it was a plan of get youngsters in, develop them, sell them on for profit. This time round, it seems like get players in to improve Aston Villa and back to the Premier League. And that's that's a statement of footballing intent at the very least, you know, as opposed to surviving in the Premier League. Been a pretty radical overhaul, which is exactly you know what we what we needed. Mm-hmm. But the the initial speed of the speed of the business uh, in terms of when the season kicked off, uh, I'm you know I think most Villa fans would be with me to say it was a bit of a concern that uh, enough wasn't being done. But it seemed to have been uh, staggered over the last few weeks that so there was mm-hmm. always one or two coming in. And when it came to deadline day, it was just a, a matter of uh, you know putting the final piece in there. But apart from, uh, let's say, Grealish, uh, Amavi at left-back, essentially the, the rest of the team's all new. They've obviously brought in the leaders for the spine, and, and this is a very, very big welcome uh, strategy and the proven championship success. But it all looks good on paper, but obviously the reality of those players haven't played with each other. Will they gel? You know, Will, will they work in unison as a, as a team? And, and will it come together is, is another question. And, and I hope... We don't rest on our laurels and think, well, you know, this guy, he scored 20 goals in the championship last season. This guy got promoted. This guy got promoted. So, yeah, we're going to get promoted. No problem. I mean, there's no mugs in this league, apart from Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the Blues. Sorry. I, I, I need to say that. It's just uh, it's in my contract. I, I, I think that we have tried to have been as, as methodical as possible in I do wonder whether we have been perhaps potentially right. We need leaders. We need leaders. We need leaders. Get get the players who've been promoted. Right. We need goals. Uh, get somebody who scored. Get somebody who scored. But in in our position, I mean, is anyone who sat in at Villa Park or, or followed us around the country last season? We, we didn't create a fat lot. We didn't score very many goals, and we let we let a fat lot in as well. So yeah. So before we uh, let's 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 get a bit more specific and let's let's go through uh, rather than a player of the time we'll uh, we'll go through the the areas like goalkeeper mm-hmm. defense midfield uh, attack just so that we can you know address things a bit more specifically uh, our f- old friend Gallini still a problem uh, only because uh, he's only just started and you know he's hardly played any game any mm-hmm. games in his senior career anyway so was you disappointed I mean it's something I've kind of bang the drum on in terms of getting a quality uh let's say a, more of a veteran keeper i mean even if they got somebody at the twilight like a like we did with brad friedel and even schmeichel uh, back mm. in the day would it yeah. would it have been wise to just have that bit of security that if project galini kind of goes tits up at least we've got a, a first-rate keeper and also somebody to give him a competition and somebody to learn off because, you know, all respect to Mr. Bunn, I, I still think he's a, you know, third, second choice goalkeeper. I think this is the, this is the problem that Galini could face because... Well, I think we'll all face it. Well, we, we, we'll, all be, we'll all be in front of it and, and um, Michael Heffler's buttocks testify that, that he got in the way of it too. He, I think with Galini we should have got 
similarly to, to what you're saying, a, a veteran or a more experienced goalkeeper as backup, you know, keep him as the number one, give him the give him, give him that pedestal. But I, I think I said in our opening podcast and in, in some of the pieces I wrote pre-season that I, I worried that as such a young and inexperienced continental goalkeeper, he could become exposed very quickly. And if we're trying to reinvent ourselves as a solid, solid backline and a, as a vibrant attacking team that can threaten teams we face, we don't want an obvious weakness in, in goal. You know, you mentioned veteran goalkeepers a la, you know, like when we took Friedel or, you know, I was even thinking about just the same thing the other day, you know, would would a Shea given be, be such a bad option to have back in that type of, you know. But is, it, is this when you were taking crack cocaine? Yeah, well, and when I, and when I come around from my hallucination, um, but <laughs> I just, it's a long season, the championship, and if if the guy yeah i think i think essentially it's just it's a security blanket isn't it mm-hmm. and and I, similarly with bun that though bun has this quite charismatic approach and trying to build this rapport on social media with the fans he his his displays last season showed us enough that he wasn't the number one yeah, I mean, he doesn't add anything on top of a Galini. It's no. uh, you don't put him in if if you just want a calm keeper at the back because I, I don't think he has a presence. I remember when Villa uh, went to Norwich in the quarterfinal of the League Cup uh, under Lambert, and he was in goal then for Norwich, and we you know we just walked straight through him. He was mm. he was offered no resistance really. No. Uh, moving on to the defence, I mean, and obviously this interrelates to Galini because if a defence doesn't have confidence in the goalkeeper then uh, it makes the defence a little nervous, but also it works both ways. Uh, if you've got a solid defence, that helps a goalkeeper kind of build his own confidence. So are you happy with the defence? We consider Amavi, and he hasn't earned the right yet, but if we consider Amavi the starter, because he didn't really play the majority of last season, it is an all-brand-new uh, back four, which obviously we needed. What's your reckoning so far? Because after pretty solid opening apart from two free goals in the first four games they, they kind of fell apart in that second half against Bristol yeah I, I don't think that though we fell apart at Bristol I, I think that the second half syndrome has been an issue for us in the first five games generally I know I know the Sheffield Wednesday game was, was slightly different but you know if we're talking about improvement I, I think what so what, what I've seen of Chester so far suggests that he looks a pretty shrewd acquisition and, and you sort of scratch your head a little bit as to why West Brom wanted him to to go considering their, their squad limitations. Elphick looks like the, the type of leader and um, figurehead we, we exactly need across the back line. Um, Delat, I, I don't know really a lot about him other than we needed cover in that position and he seemed like the best available option and I think if that's the best available option that we could get, um, that will do really. And I think the other part of it is that Bakuna... We we know Bakuna as well as anyone. We know Bakuna, and as much as we want him to do well, there's a there's a horrendous mistake in him, and he's not a right back. So moving on to the midfield, uh, it's 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 kind of pepped it up and freshened it up. Is uh, you know what I would say. I think Je- Yedinak faded uh, drastically against Bristol, but uh, if he can step up and become the leader of men that we anticipated, I mean that's going to help the defence and you know all the issues that we've just spoken about. Welcome to Jedinac's Jungle. I've just arrived at Villa Park in the heart of the concrete jungle. There's reports of a real live Bakuna. He's a beauty with two left feet. And there, a wild westward. Oh, look at him. He moves like a crabber. What a beauty. Come on, little fella. Side to side now. Oh, wow. 
Look at this, a real tree, a strange and elusive Gabby, a lazy, sloth-like creature. But you, you watch him move if I wave this wand at him, a real ripper. Oh, crikey, now a leech-like critter, bleeding the local resources dry. It can only be one thing, it's an exogbia. Struth. Tishbola, it's all about uh, if he can stay off the uh, the medical table. Mm-hmm. I think that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, the midfielder that actually gives us that extra dimension going forward, uh, what's, what's your first impressions of uh, Albert Adomar? My first perception is uh, that if you've got Grealish on the left, him on the right, suddenly this team looks a bit more balanced than it has done for a while because I don't think Bakuna playing uh, ahead of a right back in right midfield as, as a winger he's I think he's a half-assed winger if you ask mm. me mm-hmm. and he doesn't drive and he doesn't attack and with any pace and he doesn't cause problems for the fullback of the opposition so do you see this as potentially one of the better signings yeah I think it's a clever one he, the, the guy's got some assists in him he's he's another player that we've signed where where the the opposition fans haven't you know, haven't been very dismissive of him going really that, that he's been one where they've been a bit surprised and a bit disappointed. I think a cr- criticism of, of him has been that he's perhaps a bit inconsistent, but he's, yeah. a, he's a winger. So, you know, that that's, you know, you're not going to get 100% consistency with a winger. I think Villa fans of a certain generation will know about Aston Villa wingers blowing hot and cold. I mean, you only have to look at Tony Daly, for example, capable of uh, mesmerising brilliance uh, one game and then couldn't, couldn't cross it for, if his life depended on it other games. Exactly, and, and Adoma might might be like that, but he's also gone up in a championship promotion team again. Um, has a few goals in him by the looks of it as well. Yeah. Uh, and he's got bags and bags of experience. He comes in, I think, is he, is he 28 or something like that? Yeah, I think he turns twenty, turns 29 at the end of the year. You know, great age, in his prime, experienced, um, a bit of a character by all accounts. And I think it gives us something that we don't actually have. You know, he's he's not at all like Grealish. So he's a different different proposition for defences completely to, to him. And again, without wanting to single out Bakuna for the second time in, in this podcast... <laughs> No, it, second time, second time in one minute. Exactly, but he's, you know he's becoming the future of Aston Villa. He's not. There's no, there's no. no getting away from it. I mean, the upshot is when I see the Villa midfield and I see Westwood and Bakuna as two of the four. You know, you know, you're not going to have a good day. Well, most of us are put on suicide watch when when that happens, David. So we have to, you know, the, the signings of Yedin Naktishbola and, and Adoma has to improve matters and. I mean, it's easy to talk about, you know, the defence is crap, it needs improving and we're not scoring goals, we need to. But if you don't have a good midfield, none of it works. Exactly. Well, how many times have we been overrun? And look at even this season, I think Bristol was an example. When we got took apart, we got took apart. But the Huddersfield... Westwood, Bakuna. Oh, That's all. That's what I'm. That's where I'm going with this. Makes me exhale. You're not. You're not going to hold out with with those two. The term lightweight has been thrown around, but it's true. It's it's completely true. It's absolutely true. And even even the the Huddersfield game where we were we were so dominant the first half when we faded, we had we had no plan B. We had no option to you know we we didn't have a Yedinak to bring off bring off the bench. And I, I did think that this was where this is where I don't think Bristol would be a Bristol City defeat will be a tr- true reflection necessarily because with Tish, Tish Bowler injured again we had nothing on the, on the bench. It's only because we signed Yedinak yeah. that actually we had a, a functioning midfield if you like. But yeah. 
when when fatigue set in and and when you know when they got a bit built a bit of a head of steam, we, we our options were what Gardner again. Um, yeah. So I think we may need to see see what happens as the season pans on. I'm just going back to uh, Adoma uh, for a second. Uh, his international buddies with uh, Mister Mister Happy Jordan Au. There always used to be this formula in football that uh, if you were going to buy like a star player and let's say he's Argentinian, it was always useful to get a get another Argentinian in there, even if he was like squad cannon fodder, just yeah, to uh, to be a buddy. And there's, there's a few examples. That I think it happened with Suarez. I think when he was at Ajax, they bought somebody in to be his buddy. Well, Man United did it with the uh, was it the Rafael Rafael and. Um... Yeah, to the fullback. You know, it's it's not uncommon that you get the good one and the rubbish one. You know, Phil. Yeah, but but in this case, I think you know. Hopefully, we've got in terms of Ghanaians, we've got two good ones. But I think it, it you yeah. know it, it can't not help Jordan Ayew. Maybe that will kind of improve his game. And obviously, he's somebody who who he's played with uh, a lot as well. So it's not somebody who's just going to come in out of the cold. You know, there's enough footage out there to suggest that uh, they click well uh, while playing for Ghana. So uh, I think that's a, a positive link-up. Yeah, probably positive in the sense that AU, AU actually stayed. I think it would probably be 50-50 on most people whether he was uh, going to hang around at Villa Park, really. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get on We'll get on to that in a, in a second. Let's, let's just finally uh, just finish on the forwards. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Cormac. Great signing, I think. He's got a big buddy now next to him. Jonathan uh, Codger, if the pronounce sure it, about that if the pronounce <laughs> uh I don't know. I'm going to go with Codger because it sounds like <clears throat> we'll go for Codger. So McCormack and Codger is that a front two or are they being rotated? Because obviously, where does Rudy Gestead fit into the picture now? Dan, where does he fit in? Dan, where does he fit in? Where does he fit in? I, I don't know. Um, serving soup to the homeless. I don't know. Hey, that's probably in doing that. He's probably the only Aston Villa player that's actually contributed to the universe in the last season. <laughs> I think McCormack's a great signing. I think Kodja, 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 Kojak, Kojak. He... <laughs> <laughs> he's scored goals last season. He doesn't seem to have scored many goals before last season. Let's call him JK. JK. Um, so McCormack and uh, GMAC and GMAC and JK up front. Armac, Armac and JK. Yeah, Armac and JK. Armac and JK up front. That that they they're going to sell shirts. They're going to score goals. They're going to fire us to the top three in the world. He scored twenty goals last season. Um, I think. If if there was one worry, he doesn't appear to have scored many goals before then. Yeah, he was um, a bit choppy and he went out on loan quite a few times, but didn't actually seem to have any kind of never given a chance to have any momentum. Maybe. No, well, the, the thing is, he's I mean, he was knocking around France for since what two thousand eight. So we're talking what yeah. eight years ago. He's he's played a bag of games, didn't score very many goals. Then he had a season um, a season where he scored fifteen in in about thirty games. For a transfer to Bristol, I mean that they only paid two million for him last season, uh, and he's become a, a, a you know his valuation could reach fifteen million if we get promoted. So, what's the cost of promotion? I guess is is the question. Well, I think I think the, the Bristol City chairman played a played a very savvy game at the start of the window, uh, and I think this is when you know Villa were initially uh, sniffing round because he was obviously on the list of strikers they were after. I mean, I, we don't know mm. uh, how high up he was, but uh, for the chairman to come out and say. He's not going anywhere for nothing below ten million, and he's only going to a Premier League club. 
it's like him, I'll just put that out there, you know, so everybody knows where they stand. I mean, he's, as you said, he's had one season, 20 goals, and what is he? And that's in the championship. He's, you know, what is he really? He's a six million job man, six, seven million. But they've they've overspent. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of uh, when Villa literally uh, wrenched Darren Bent out of the hands of Sunderland, who didn't want to sell him at that mm-hmm. time. But they they massively overspent on him there. Yeah, there are some similarities there, I suppose. That we do we desperately need goals, and if that if there's another, I don't want to be profit to doing with this, but if there is one flaw in in the signing of uh, J.K. is that he he's going to disappear to the African Cup of Nations as well. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I mean, we'll we'll discuss that in a second. Uh, but when you consider his last season, I mean, his last season was pretty impressive. If, I mean, I I had a look at the on the Bristol City uh, YouTube site. If if uh, anybody else hasn't seen it yet, uh, of essentially a compilation of his twenty goals and you know his build and his his kind of uh, his game. It reminds me of uh, Stan Collimore in some respects. He's you know, whoa, whoa, tall. careful, careful. <laughs> But no, you know, tall has that strength, power, speed, and uh, cuts. You know, if, silhouette of him would be pretty much similar. I, I, I would, I would imagine. So yeah, if he can, yeah. if he can maintain what he did last season, I mean, it could be a, could be a special buy. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the same uh, video reel, and yeah, that's that's dangerous. <laughs> you know, we all saw the Traore video reel as well. The, and the Tonev. Uh, well, Tonev will still come good. He'll still come good. Um, <laughs> As as the race relations ambassador for FIFA or something like that, <laughs> um, but with going back to going back to JK, I mean, having seen some of his goals, he, at the very least, he looks versatile as well. Yeah. I, I'm struggling to think of who who like. Maybe this is the point. He's very unlike anyone else that we've actually got, and we, we seem to be assembling a group of of strikers who have quite different attributes. Where. Um, this codger appears to be able to score goals that are quite scrappy, are quite creative, involve some power. You look at McCormack, McCormack appears quite a tricky, tricky player who's quite happy to have a pot shot. Yeah. Gestead's your, your tall man who, you know, if you're going route one or you can put a decent ball into the box, um, you, you can you can put it away. Uh, and and Ayu, uh, though I think he does his own thing. <laughs> does his own thing on his own terms. In his own universe. And, and he's probably very disappointed not to be in Marseille about now. <laughs> Most of these players, they've they've obviously been bought in with the immediate task in mind, which is promotion at all costs. And you've got a good, you know, one or two years, depending on how quickly we get up, where they're almost as good as we could have got for that purpose. But in terms of, uh, and, you know, it's, maybe it's a bit premature to talk about this now, but do you think there's much future proving in there? Because a few of those players like Chester, Elfing, Dilat, uh, we'll, we'll leave uh, Albert Adoma off, off the list at the moment. But some of these players, yes, they were at Premier League teams, but they've uh, dropped down because they were in the fringes of the teams after they got promoted. Is that a sign that we've actually got quality and, and uh, we've spent well, or is it a little bit, uh, well, let's not worry about the Premier League now, let's get up and then think about them later? I absolutely think that that is the case. I think that we're going to be hampered to a degree by only being able to purchase certain types and certain calibre and attract certain quality of player. That's that's an obvious barrier, if you like. We And the other the other issue we've got is everybody who we approach to buy a player from knows that we are flush with, with, with cash. 
Yeah. You know, there's a huge disparity between Premier League teams and the relegated Premier League teams between the Championship and whoever else. To be honest, that disparity exists between all of those teams and continental Europe. You only have to look at the spends across the transfer window in places like Germany, Holland, yeah. France. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're in the low millions compared to, I mean, the Premier League money is stupid, but the Championship money dwarfs dwarfs a lot of these leagues. Um, so it can be skewed at, you know, yes, we've, yes, we've overspent, you know, these fees are ridiculous, but we probably haven't got a choice. And I think, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I think Villa had their legs lifted on a lot of the players uh, that were brought in last season in the summer transfer window, your Veratus, your Garners, your Amavis. Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good point. All two or three million above what they should have really been bought in for judging on their performances as well. Well, that's the point. I think with uh, some of the players we've brought in and for the values that they've come in at, I mean, Yedinak's reported somewhere in the region of two or three million pounds. Um, Delat's less than that. I think sub two million pounds is, is what's been quoted. Yeah. Th- these these aren't, um, in, in modern football, th- that's actually pretty shrewd business. Yeah. You, you look at McCormack. If McCormack can throw 10, 15 assists and 10, 15 goals in, he's worth every penny. Yeah. Every penny of 10, 10, 10, 11, 12 million or whatever. Because he's, he's the perfect example of somebody bought for the task in hand. Because I yeah. don't think Villa as a uh, entity really give a shit about him for the Premier League in terms of uh, the fact that he has no you know previous in that league. I, I don't think that's a concern at all. It's more the here and now. Well, we haven't seen very much of McCormack, but I, I was interested to see some of the reporting around him being you know, completely overlooked by the Scottish setup in, in their squad. Yeah. That that that's fascinating to me because it is. You know, no no offence to any Scottish fans, but their the calibre of their national team isn't isn't great. And you would have thought he would have been a, you know, a part of trying to improve that. But the criticism is that he can't actually be accommodated because no one really knows what, what his best position is. That that, that was a bit of an eye opener for me. Like for example, Sean Maloney, who you could consider a you know similar player in terms of somebody who pulls the strings uh, up front and has a bit of extra dimension. He's you know he's managed to get in the squad in the last few years, but for McCormack not even to be uh, I mean you know Hutton's in there for God's sake, but for McCormack not even to be a you know one of the front runners is is a bit of a concern because the big question is why. It's true, and and uh, it sort of sits alongside the other question: is what, why, why have no, like a Burnley or or a Middlesbrough or even a you know Norwich when they got promoted last season, why didn't any of them fancy McCormack in their teams as you know even even the man off the bench as the extra striker to pr- potentially keep them up? Why didn't why didn't they fancy him? Yeah, because interestingly, um, like when uh, the time that Fulham bought him. That was when there was about three. I mean, as as we uh, highlighted last uh, in the last episode, I mean, we had McLeish recommending uh, McCormack for Villa, uh, and I think Sunderland were also interested. There was essentially there was there was three Premier League teams sniffing around him, but he never, you know, Fulham. I mean, Fulham paid a lot of money for him, and obviously mm-hmm. uh, that must have been parachute payment to get him in to uh, do exactly what we've got him in for. <laughs> Didn't quite, didn't quite work out for them. <laughs> now it's time for Twitter with Tony. August 26th. Quotation from Mao. We must have faith in the masses. Truly fans' viewpoints are even better than scouting reports. August 26th. 
We've agreed to let Joe move to Cardiff for free, but not subsidise his wages. Wish him a bright career there, as many SW fans expected. August 30th. The last day of transfer window. A lot more maybe will happen. Maybe nothing happened at all. Whatever. August 31st. We're done this window. Nothing can be perfect as we tried to more. But we achieved our early plan. Great work by whole new team. Can you sleep at night now? <laughs> Definitely, I think not. Not having to worry about whether roots will grow from Lescott's legs or balls will sail over where. Micah Richard should be stood in centre half going, what's he doing over well, there? Well, he's still in the setup. I can't see him featuring, can you? Well, uh, I mean, the situation was he, on the on the deadline day, he was, uh, I think he was sitting in a hotel at the Belfry waiting to go to West Ham or waiting for a callback anyway. And Villa had actually gone to the trouble uh, of uh, having a, a centre back for cover because you, I mean, anybody knows you need four centre backs. Uh, when you're going into you know a season proper, especially the championship with the amount of extra games, so there was a there was a centre back, and I, I don't know. I think it was a. I think pretty sure it was a season loan, and uh, there's been a couple of names thrown around on social media. But uh, because the whole Richards thing fell through, uh, the other guy wasn't needed. The loan wasn't needed, and uh, Richards is that uh, centre back cover. It was the fall guy to some degree, then. So that, that that's quite interesting. I wonder how that plays on a player's morale and. Uh... Yeah, that that sense of being out of the club and and then actually finding yourself back at Bodymore. You know, yeah. no criticism of Richards per se, but you know, if if he was made, you know, he was going to be the, you know, it's going to be off for all intents and purposes. Then you know, it must be strange sort of mental place to put yourself back in. You know, because he's not really in a squad where he would be considered second or third choice in in those positions either. Yeah, and it's it's, it's also. And his teammates know that, so it is a bit of a strange yeah. one. But I mean, yeah. in in his defence, and you know, this comes from people at the club. They've doesn't seem that nobody's really ever had a problem with Richards in terms of his attitude. So, for example, if if it was flipped and it was Lescott that was staying on, and Richard had Richards had managed to get a move, that's a very good point. Then I think there would be more of an issue there because you've got somebody who the fans, with a good reason, turned against. Richards, when you when you trace back, he's only the only thing you can make him guilty of was what he did on the pitch. And you know, against yeah. Wickham, he was a positive force there, chatting with fans and and not shying away. You know, going directly to them and you know talking to him. And he was like, I mean, at that stage, there were poles apart the supporters and and the players. And he was the only one who actually crossed the the, the bridge and you know met them halfway. And in terms of doing his duty at the club as a captain and interviews and all that kind of stuff, he's you know he's, he's never shied away from that. It just gives me the, the shivers when I see him play. I think that's that that's that's yeah that's where the line should be drawn really. That we've had a lot of players who you can say well he tries hard or Hutton's another player like that. Different issues, but you know runs around like tries very hard. But when you actually look at the performance and the outcome and the what do they bring to Aston Villa's defence? Yeah. 
yeah, maybe there is another role for Richards. I can't see it. I, I, personally, I'd love to think there was, but there's some serious rehabilitation to be done there. You know, his positional sense was was terrible. Um, too many, too many times. You, um, repeat myself from from an earlier episode. Really, too many times you look back on a goal that we conceded, and he wasn't the only guilty party. But you, there were so many times we used to think, "Oh my word, what, what was he? What was he doing during that sequence? You know, that led to that goal." But I think January, uh, I think his future will be reappraised there. And uh, I think his agent will be working over the next few months. But as as I said, it could be worse. If it was the other way around with Lescott, then you've still got a toxic element. Well, it's just great that he's gone. I mean, we're going to get to, to players who've gone out shortly. But I think the toxic element and someone who, for a Villa fan as well, he badly let us down. Let's just look at the outs now and... Uh... I mean, at the end of, well, not even at the end of last season, uh, I mean, I, you know, in terms of social media, my favourite hashtag, which I, you know, put out there was all out. I, I didn't care who left. I wanted as many as possible out. And to be fair, they've done a pretty good job. Oh, I don't know, like a Black Friday clearance event, hasn't it, really? It's been a real, you know, but I think that's, maybe that is the good comparison because the people running in and grabbing them, <laughs> grabbing these players, they really don't know what they're getting, do they? It's a load of crap. <laughs> You know, whoever unwraps the box on on Lescott's going to be, you know, it's going to ruin that blue sky and lovely hot Greek weather. And I think it's a good Lescott. move for him. I mean, in terms of uh, Enzogbia lifestyle, it's uh, why it's not get yeah. uh, some time in the sunshine? It's you know, it's a beautiful place, Athens. Glasgow, Athens, Glasgow, Athens, Athens, Glasgow, mm. Athens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's not, you know, he's, he's not that stupid. Put it that way. Uh, he's clearly not. <laughs> But expected Guzan going out kind of had to happen. Bennett and already dropping clangers at Middlesbrough. Excellent. <laughs> Carry on. Bennett, nothing to see here. That was expected. Yeah. Richardson and Zogby ran in their contracts oh, expired. Oh, Thank God. Oh, who's in Zogby's new club? Who? Exactly, he hasn't got one because he's Oh no, I was, about, I was about to say, interestingly, <laughs> Zogbia hasn't been uh, picked up by anybody. <laughs> uh, oh, I... <laughs> But no, even like Norwich were mentioned uh, about you know after after Sunderland obviously gave up the ghost on him. I mean, honestly, if any anyone with a no one surely with even a passing passing knowledge of football is going <laughs> to give that man a contract. I mean, it's just a farce, isn't it? You know, he, he, have you? I mean, have you seen how he dresses and his shoes? I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. Oh, no, his hat's no. quite cool though. I think the fact that I even know the hat you're referring to <laughs> tells you everything about the man. You know, this is oh grief. Light hat. Oh, don't we need? I need to move on. I, the therapy costs me too much for, for him alone. Uh, Garner. Well, that was that was a kind of given because of the uh, release uh, clause. I'm still, I still think, stepping stone still thing. think Kieran Clark's one of our uh, best pieces of business in in the window. Getting rid of him for five point one million is quite uh, quite a smart move, really. Yeah, uh, I think he was. It's one of those considering how much. Sorry, considering how much uh, we got the say Elfink in for. Yeah, we, we've improved in that position. And, and Clark's one of those where, you know, no one really disliked the bloke, but uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't make or break whether he, whether he stayed. It was probably a good good deal all round, really. You know, we've we've planted a, a huge mine in the middle of their defence who can... I'm, I'm looking forward to him. I enjoyed him hacking down that in his first game and conceding a penalty. And Agent Clark. Agent Clark was, was at work straight away. Yeah. Sticking with the. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Defence, Yoris Akure was perhaps one that maybe surprised Mm. a few people. Because when you were, if you were counting your four centre backs for next season, uh, you'd have probably had him in there. Yeah, Corey's a, a funny one, as as I mentioned earlier on in in, in this podcast. He, he came with all the promise, all the attributes where you thought this he's going to be a great player, and he never developed. He never. Came no, he, he was the he was the Champions League man who didn't want to sit on the bench at Chelsea or wherever. At the moment, he wanted to play and, you know, he wanted to... This is the kind of attitude that endeared him to fans, but unfortunately he got injured. But, I mean, as we've already discussed, the times he's kind of switched off in games and uh, wasn't let, wasn't what was necessarily said on the can. No, and th- there's something else about Akore that, that I, I forgot when, I, when, he, when he left, when I was writing the piece for the site, was that this is a man who refused to play for Aston Villa. As well, and when when you see Doctor Tony talking about attitudes and things like that, he's absolutely right. These, we do not need that in and around the squad, and regardless of change. And but Corey said that was a misunderstanding. Well, he he would probably, and and you know that there's two sides to that story. I mean, at the end of the day, he didn't play for Villa again the remainder of that season, and yeah, um, the fact of the matter is, he's in Copenhagen now, and in no other, you know, with the greatest respect to Copenhagen and the Danish Superliga. There was no other more prominent team in for him. Yeah, I think that tells um, you. I mean, yes, he will be playing Champions League football against Leicester if he gets picked. But uh, so he's he's got back to the Champions League. But I mean, I, I don't give a shit about the Champions League. To be honest, it's not a mark of anything. In no, fact, the no. fact that you know Sinclair's playing Champions League football, Akure's playing Champions League football. Well, it shows you what a farce it is. Actually, yeah. it's 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 not Champions League football, is it? It's not. It's just a big hype machine essentially to make money a couple of ones i think these two players are now on loan which i mean essentially they're just uh they're out but uh veritu and sanchez are two guys that were meant to bring a bit of je ne sais quoi to the villa midfield uh well the last season but uh both really big disappointments i think uh, when you when you boil it down to uh brass mm. tacks very um, take veritu first veritu looked he never showed anything for months and months and months. He had a very brief purple patch under Remy Gard, and you know we're talking a handful of games, and then completely disappeared. You struggled to see what um, Veritu's qualities were. You know, was he another Matthew Bursan 
you know, <laughs> who, who will just disappear into France and, and eat cheese and wine in a very stereotypical French way with onions around his shoulders. Uh, <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's the image that I've got of, of Jean d'Arc. Um, no, well, let's, let's, not, sulky, let's sulky not let's character assassinate players with racial stereotypes uh, on this show. Well, maybe we can do that next week instead. <laughs> um, Sanchez uh, looked like a player surprised to be a professional footballer. He uh, he would do brilliant things like flick the ball around and then give it to the opposition so they could see it was a mistake. He, he was a man who was born for Copper America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because any time that tournament's on, he's like one of the best players in the world and he neutralizes Messi and, uh, you know, Neymar, no problem in, in his pocket. Oh. But... Uh, Classic Villa, we buy the player and he looks like an absolute bag of spanners, doesn't he? And it, it's just... <laughs> Another player who's gone and people sort of, you know, you, you say, oh, Sanchez is signed for Fiorentina. People go, oh, oh great, okay. Yeah. It's, well, he's no loss, is he? Looking at the list, I can't say any losses there. Nope. No, I mean, the only, no. the only one that kind of, uh, you know, niggles at you slightly is Adama Traore. Because in full flight, mm. that was, it was like something you, you pay your ticket to see. But uh, yeah. it's, context is important for Traore, isn't it? Because yeah. we... we 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 saw him what nine times and there, I don't, were there any starts in there? I don't don't think there were. Were there? Maybe against Knox County in the cup yeah. where he got he got poleaxed. Uh, and the context is that in a season where we were dreadful, he was the only remotely unknown quantity, wasn't he? Where he would come on, he'd and he'd run. You know, you've mentioned before that he was quite headless. That that Stafford yeah. Podimore Heath couldn't quite believe how lacking in footballing. You know true footballing ability he was when, when he when he came from Bar. But the Middlesbrough boss, uh, Kranka, you know, seems to really rate him. And, you know, obviously Kranka was a uh, youth team uh, Spanish manager, I think it was the under-16s, and uh, served his time under Mourinho at Madrid. So he obviously he knew him uh, from back in the day when he was at Barcelona. And he seems to rate him, and he seems to, you know, he I think he's quoted as saying, uh, what you saw last season with Villa is is just not the level that he, he's capable of. So having a, you know, Spanish, Spanish-speaking manager will obviously, uh, you know, assist him in, in that respect, and somebody who's probably a bit more au fait with his game and, you know, where he's come from. But it, it kind yeah. of niggles because if he, if he suddenly explodes and turns into a world beater, we'll kind of uh, kick ourselves. But we're not going to miss anything because we never really saw anything. I mean, there was a fantastic assist yeah. for uh, Carlos Hill. But apart from that, I mean, he's just somebody who frustrated us because he was uh, none of the managers seemed to be convinced by him when he wasn't injured. As I say, he was always injured, and I think if yeah, he's the one player who you can say that there's there's potentially a. a quality footballer in there or quality creative pace always terrorizes defenses as well it's quite quite cliched but it's true you could see him going on and doing well equally you could see him having another season like he did for us you know the the English game is is a very physical league I think only time will tell with him and yeah we may kick ourselves yeah. but equally at the here and now is Traore the player we need probably I don't think he is I think we need to be doing exactly what we're doing yeah, no, I mean, I have no quite, even if it's a straight swap between those two guys, and, you know, we know we have a sell on. I think it is a straight swap, essentially, but there's a sell on. Uh, 
That's There's a sell-on clause with Truro just to uh, give ourselves a little bit of uh, comfort just in case he does turn into the best player in the world. At least we know we're going to get some kickback there. Is there any player that you could say you were sad to see leave Villa? Could you make a case for Garner, for example? Garner falls into into that same pot of players who were, who we brought in last season who were so disappointing that the, we, we slightly overpaid for them all. We, we were expecting them to be coming as young, hungry players to... To prove themselves, and Garner particularly, that he ran around a lot, and he had some interesting early season form. Because um, pe- people will, you know, I people will see. tell you, oh, but his stats, you know, his stats, yeah. his stats, second to, you know, Kante. And uh, I say, yeah, but I watched him with my own eyes. Yeah. <laughs> people need to remember this. There's a big difference. I mean, there's a huge difference between those two footballers. I mean, grief that the one was. I can't say I'm not being funny. He won a Premier League title and was, you know, in the centre of, of the French midfield. Garner, I mean, Garner was in our side, and you talk about all the interceptions, all of the combative skills that were essential to that role that we needed while we were being battered and overrun week in week out. Yeah, where was he? Where was this? Where was this? We'll beat him. Going to the Telford game, the pre-season game, and you know, you see him come out and you go, "Oh, okay, he might be sticking around." And he was awful that game. I mean, I'm, you know, he was giving the ball away left, right, and centre. His his passing was uh, pretty atrocious. And on that day, I thought I don't want to see him again in a Villa shirt. Mm-hmm. So to get seven, you know, whatever the release clause over seven million was was okay. I mean, he, you know, that's another one who might be there might be some uh, shades of regret, but that's only based because people keep throwing around these statistics. And in the case of him, if you've got the best. If you've got the second best defensive midfielder in the league, if that's what he is according to his stats, why are you only finishing mm-hmm. on 17 points and leaking goals left, right and centre? Absolutely. I mean, obviously one man can't do everything, but... Uh, yeah, but we were joking earlier about Bakuna and Westwood being in the centre of our midfield. Yeah. You know, Garner was the other option. Yeah. Football's such a physical game as well now that the centre, you, you know, it's been apparent from the early championship games as well. You know, you put Westwood alongside, a, you know, we used to see it when he was stood alongside Yaya Toure and he'd be thinking, oh, yeah, this is a fair competition. It's similar in the championship. The name, the names not, might not be as big, but the principle's the same. You look at it, Yedinak, you know, they've got they've got presence, they've got... Well, I, I mean, actually, we we got heights all over the pitch apart from its centre-back. That seems to be the uh, mm. the theme. It's a strange one, that. You know, Dom is like, is he six foot two? So he's quite tall for a winger. Yeah. And then you've got your, your Gardner, Tish Bowlers, they're all uh, well over six foot in midfield as well. And old, uh, as we've already said before, Elfink and uh, actually Richards, Elfink, Chester, all 5'11". Anyway, let's, let's not dwell on the outs. I mean, we're, we're gonna dis- we've already discussed the one that, uh, if you were to write top of the list, who should get out? I mean, uh, some people would say Gabby, uh, more of him in a minute. But uh, Lescott was the potentially sticky one getting on a bit. Is he 34? And uh, LA Galaxy gave up their interest of him, you know, a long time ago after he was muted to go last season. And then this whole Rangers thing broke down. And he said, he said actually, that would have been quite a good move for him in Rangers because, you know, they were promoted back up and uh, mm-hmm. they're relighting the old firm rivalry. It would have been at least a kind of a competitive season for him. Oh, but, he's, and then he, it all went cold and you thought, oh, God damn. It did feel like we were going to be stuck with him, didn't it? And yeah. he, 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 Lescott, you'd have on ability, you would have thought would have logically been behind Richards centre half, and that's that's a strange thing to to be thinking about. Yeah, 
Um, but I mean, to be fair to him, he he probably put in a better shift uh, overall than Richards in across the season. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know to be honest. I I think it got. I don't to the care point anymore. Really no, I don't. I don't care. And that they were both equally rubbish. <laughs> I'm delighted that he's he's gone uh, on a package holiday to Greece. I mean, moving on to the the, the the let's say the the people that stayed that they were maybe mm. borderline, which you know. Thankfully, Lascott wasn't one of those. I mean, let's talk about AU. We, because of his uh, body language in uh, well, both pre-season and the start of this season and the way that uh, Dr. Tony uh, seemed to be frustrated by his attitude, uh, pinpointing uh, the tweet that he said after, after Grealish scored the opener against uh, Bristol City, that uh, you know there was a possibility if somebody came in, and you know these were rumours that were doing the rounds, uh, if put, somebody put in a good offer and he was up for it, then he, we might have seen the last of him. So were you surprised to see him still at Villa? Uh, yes. Yes, I, I was. I, I wasn't sure in the early part of the season because I thought, he he was one of the guys without a release clause, but as time went on, as you say, that the 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 body language there was clearly something at play for after the Bristol goal where he was the only person not celebrating. You know the fact it was picked up not just by on Twitter through through the chairman, but in the media generally that was picked up. Um, are you such a strange character? I, I, you can't put your finger on it really, can you? Because he's got bags of talent, but that's also shown in his game as well, isn't it? That he he tries to do everything by himself. He's yeah, not the kid on the playground who won't pass. I, I mean, I, I don't know how much we should read into him. You know, he's non-celebration. Like, for example, uh, Balotelli, you know, never used to celebrate. Mm, I, maybe there is nothing in it. I, I, I don't know. But he, he just hasn't seemed at ease in a Villa shirt, has he? And, you know, if, if those rumours are, are to be believed that, that Marseille were, were as good as trying to get him, but the deal didn't go go through for whatever reason. Um, he'll be another one potentially who, uh, a bit like Richards in the sense who maybe people within the club will know that he probably wanted out. Yeah. Of course, it's speculation. I think but... from a career point of view, though, uh, from AU's perspective, um, I think he's made the right move staying with Villa in terms of toughing it out because if he went to Marseille it would have been seen as a little bit of a uh, waving the white flag and not making it in the English league yeah, yeah it's a strange one because I think he has all of the potential to be a fantastic striker but he's he's been so inconsistent you know for every fantastic strike like the one he scored against Newcastle uh, in the middle middle part of that season you know that you offset that against the, the two or three one-on-ones he's had this this year where he should have put them away and he hasn't and it's a funny. It's a. He's a really funny player because I do think he's. You know, we've, we've spoken before about how last year he looked like quite a bright spark amongst very few. I actually think that he could be doing a lot more already. Hopefully, he'll he'll knuckle down now and um, particularly with some competition in in the strikers, show his worth. Yeah, because I don't think he's a guaranteed starter now, so that might uh, no? change his attitude somewhat. Yeah. In fact, it's yeah. you know you 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 think where's he going to play now? We seem to quite like this four, don't we? As well, that's maybe the with the addition of um, of Codger and when uh, Gusted's fit as well. It actually gives us for the first time an opportunity to change how we yeah. we've been set up for the attack because we've been quite rigid in what we've done. I think limited by personnel. Yeah, we, we've seen that many times this season already, and you know we're only five games in. That there has been no uh, Plan B or Plan C. So with you know at, le- the, at the very least, his staying gives us another option. You know, he's with us at least until January, you know. Oh, oh, um, oh, but there is another option. It provides me the, um, the chance to play for such a big club um, for the next four years. And um, as always says, 
I've always wanted to be a one team, do you know what I mean? I only wanted to play for one side and um, that dream's come true, you know? Ah. What about Gabby? <laughs> a lot of people I still have him on a pedestal. To me, I was I, I for a striker, I, I couldn't believe how shooting was seemed to be uh his Achilles heel. The fact is whatever he's done in the past and let's face it, he he's, he was never that, you know, let's say twenty goal man. No, he's never been prolific. Never, never been prolific. I always thought at best he was somebody who gave you something that not many teams had, that kind of speed. But the upshot is he's done nothing the last few seasons and his attitude has tended to suck. And here we are, you know, the situation where he was offered uh, a loan at Reading. And uh, as, we, as we heard in the clip just then, uh, he makes that he just wants to be this one club player. But you know, he's already had loans at Sheffield Wednesday and Watford. So uh, why not go to Reading? And, you know, instead on deadline day, while Micah Richards was uh, on the phone in a hotel waiting, trying to broker that kind of last minute deal, he was on holiday, you know, happily with his uh, family with no intent to get out of the club. Well, that's the point. He's got no, he's got no reason to move anyway. You know, this is a guy who is incredibly wealthy. To be fair to him, he's given us great singular experiences as Villa fans. That that's that's something I'll underline what I'm about to say with that. The things he's he's done against the Blues, against the Albion and, and you know, and other great games he's played. But the context is against so many poor games, so many anonymous games and, and what we're now into is actually a long barren period of him not giving a flying toss about Aston Villa. Yeah, he hasn't done anything when he's had the chances over the last year. And you just look at him and he wasn't, uh, you could tell he wasn't fit. He was grossly out of shape. And he's, he you was... know, he's making this big deal of putting up photos sitting sitting on an exercise bike. I mean, come on, you know. It's a farce, it's a farce. You know, it's a guy who was messing around in hotel rooms on the night we were relegated. You know, everyone's entitled to a personal life and to do what they want in their own time. But he hasn't even, I think... I'm through with Gabby and I think a lot of yeah. people are through with him and, and I, I won't allow myself to be revisionist and say, do you know what, I'm, I'm going to focus in on those very few good experiences he's given us. And actually, he was rewarded with a, a four-year contract off the back of us playing, what, four or five decent games at the beginning of, yeah. of the Nightmare Lambert season? That contract, uh, I don't think it was a manager decision. That was that was that came from above. It wasn't Lambert saying, oh, we must keep Gabby, we must keep Gabby. I think that was more of a, a Fox stroke learner thinking that he was the heart and soul of the club, that this was one for the fans to keep him. And he hasn't he hasn't done anything since. It was almost like... He hasn't earned that contract at all. And I could talk about my frustrations with Gabby because he, he's one of those... He, he, when he when he burst through into the Villa team, he had all of the attributes to be a top-quality footballer. Not necessarily an out-and-out striker, but yeah. I think a top-quality Well, you know, he even football. scraped into the England team. He did, and I'm, I'm sure there's countless examples across many football clubs of players like him. He, he he probably should have been moved on years and years ago from Villa. Yeah, some people feel he might be worth keeping in the squad. He's not. He's 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 in the past for us. It's over. But how does the story end? Because he's got two more years on his contract. Essentially, Doctor Tony's said, "Prove yourself. Be a man. Prove yourself." And that would require him getting his hands dirty and going on a lone spell in the championship. But I don't. I think he's. He thinks he's like a Premier League player, and I think I what think he thinks he is and what he actually is nowadays is completely two different things. You've hit the nail on the head, really. He, the fact that Reading, you know, Reading had clearly approached us for, for Gabby and were willing to make the deal. That tells you that 
no one above Reading was interested, and again, with with great respect to the greatest respect to Reading. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I wonder whether the same rules that for um, Joe Bennett being declined a move on on account of wages applies to Gabby. I, I imagine that they don't actually. Yeah. I imagine that caught him a bit off guard because I thought I would have thought that they clearly set that deal up to get him out, get him out of Bodymore Heath, and yeah. <laughs> No, it's inter- It's an interesting one, actually, because yeah, that was uh, the completely opposite to the Bennett uh, shenanigans. That was what struck. That's what struck me, and that you know, m- m- I speculate that what's why do they want to get Gabby so far away from from this rejuvenated and changed first team? What I don't even think it's necessarily about. You know, we've clearly got no intention of picking him. You know, we, we were willing to give him away by the sounds of it. Yeah, but we we also want him as far away from our first team as possible, and that's telling. Yeah, I can't see any way back because A, he's obviously not going to feature this season and B, if we get promoted, he's not good enough for the Premier League anymore. So uh, it's it's adios. It makes no sense. I don't know why he wouldn't want to go and and play first team football. can't see him going abroad because I think uh, A, he's got about 300 kids and B, B, I I don't think his character's cut out for uh, making it abroad. What you actually mean is you're not sure he can learn a second language, I think, is what you... Well, maybe something along those lines, you know. (laughs) In terms of improving uh, the keeper, defence, midfield, forwards, the actual signings we've made in the context of the championship, the task ahead, let's not think about how they're going to fare beyond that. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you rate uh, the purchase of Galini? Six six slash seven. At this point, yeah, I was going to say six and a half. Uh, mm. I'm kind of in terms of let's not just talk about Galini here. We're talking about the the goalkeeper situation uh, in terms of what came in, exactly. and I think where that mark uh, drops down is the fact that we didn't, as we discussed, didn't bring in a uh, let's call him a veteran or a more experienced. Uh, let's say an upgrade on Bun. I mean, people have talked about Jed Steer and how he had a uh, successful season in the Championship. And he seems to be nowhere in sight. No, Steer doesn't appear to be getting anywhere anywhere at all. That's the other baffling thing, that you'd have thought that in the absence of him as well, that, that we would be recruiting someone. So, yeah, I'm, jury's going to be out, firmly out on Galini, But the, the lack of a second competent goalkeeper could come back to haunt us before July, uh, January. Because, I mean, he, he Steer's been out... I mean, sorry, he, he's been out... Uh, Huddersfield Town the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and, and uh, Yeovil as well, I think. Yeah, before that. But uh, I'm surprised that uh, Huddersfield didn't, you know, put in a bid and get him in if, if he was that kind of well thought of. And why would you get Galini in if, if you've got a goalkeeper who's uh, had that experience uh, in the championship and uh, is actually only a couple of years older than Galini? So Villa obviously mm-hmm. don't fancy Steer. So anyway, yeah. six, let's, let's move on. The defence... Which, if we consider that uh, Amavi hardly played last season, let's say he's number one above Sissoko, pretty much it's it's a new defensive back four. Those three that came in, Chester, Elphick and Dilat, do you think they're, uh, what would you give them out of ten? I'm, I'm going to give them, uh, I'll probably give them seven and a half. I think that they're, they're good, solid, good, solid improvements on what we've got. I think in the context of the league we're in, I, you know, I'll, I'll go, uh, I'll give them an eight. That's generous. <laughs> Well, I thought you were the big Chester fan. <laughs> and the, the I'm L- taking an average. I'm taking an average. Delat. 
<laughs> oh yeah, his two out of ten kind of brings everything down. Uh, <laughs> the, the midfield, which is kind of a weird one uh, to give a mm. score out of ten, because it, it's kind of all all types of uh, ingredients there that we've bought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would probably be my eight, I suppose. That right. I think that what we've done quite well, from my point of view, anyway, is we've we've looked at the obvious holes in the in the midfield and we've gone out and got. Judging at the, some of the movements in the transfer market, look what other people have bought. I think we've gone out and bought the best that was available and the things that we needed. Yeah, I, I would go along with that. Uh, I think in terms of practicality, Yedinak, great buy. I think also that applies, uh, although hopefully it'll give us a bit of dimension as well, uh, Adoma. And then uh, Tish Bowler, as I, as I said earlier on, uh, if he stays fit, he, you know, he's, he's kind of a neat player. And he's obviously a player. He's you know he's still very young, but there's there's a lot of potential there. And once he finds his feet, he you know he, him and Yedinak together could be uh, could be the start of something. Definitely a lot stronger than we've had. Absolutely, I agree with that. So I'll I'll, I'll give that an eight as well. Uh, forwards, McCormack, very... Codger. <laughs> so Armack and, and JK. Oh yeah, Armack and JK. Uh, well, and use use the linger. Sorry. Um, Solid. I think this is a really, really solid set of purchases. I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say nine. Uh, so if I said McCormack and Hernandez, would that be any different? I didn't. I, I didn't get the excitement about Hernandez. To, <laughs> He's admit. not that good, I don't think. No, I'm not. And if it's true that he asked for a hundred thousand pound a week, yeah, I mean. Uh, He's just lucky that he's Uruguayan and uh, there's not two Suarez's, I think. Yes. I just, or three. But then again, uh, he's any, he's he's not actually, he's not the first team man for Uruguay. He's, you know, flitters in and out of that, of the first 11. I mean, let's break it down here. Uh, Hull got him towards the end of their uh, season in the Premier League. Then they were trying to offload him, but nobody was interested in And he was trying to get out because obviously he doesn't want to spend the season in the championship. Clearly wages. Hardly any interest. I was, I was reading a local Hull paper about, uh, you know, when the Villa interest was kicking around. And, yeah, it was all about the, the wages, obviously, And but nobody in the Premier League was in, interested. I mean, they're the only people who could match uh, what he was getting at Hull. And, that's, mm. and that was a panic buy initially by Hull because yeah, yeah. Hull all due respect will not get a world-class striker because no. if such a thing exists it's going to one of the top 10 teams and well the, I think the point is as well that, the, that those top 10 teams will, will pay top dollar yeah for anyone and they're not well the fact that they haven't and they aren't for him and I could never see that by coming off because essentially he's on Pretty decent wages at Hull, and Villa aren't going to match them because they're out of principle. Villa wouldn't take the risk, wouldn't take the punt on them because he's not somebody who's. Uh, I mean, I prefer uh, J.K. to him. Just, just yeah, on you know, if you just watch the tape of them or the mm-hmm. YouTube video, that's tape is like an old term which sounds a bit better, like your professional coach I'm not or something. Familiar with that concept. I think it's more American, but uh, you know, just from that Bristol City compilation, those twenty goals, he looks more complete and more suited to the task than Hernandez who may be a bit blowing hot and cold and asking himself still what am I doing in this country and uh, what am I doing back in the championship and why hasn't anybody good bought me yet I mean we've definitely took a risk I think on uh, on uh, yeah I I think I mean somebody who was two million last season uh, 11 million I don't know it kind of bugs me when people always call him by the amounts 
including add-ons because uh, yeah. 15 million, there's a reason why it's 15 million. And that's because uh, we'll have, that was a clincher for the deal because we'll have Premier League money just to say, oh, yeah, here you go, shut up, here's that 4 million. But, yeah. you know, 11 million, uh, I th- as I said earlier, I think he's about six or seven kind of jobby. Well, I think it's interesting because we, we paid something like that for, for guest Ted last season, didn't we, from Blackburn? And I think the fact that we've dropped down and we've got a ton of money and everyone knows we need to get out of the division that, you know, we've we've had to pay the premium, haven't we? Absolutely. So, what, sorry, what did you give those guys? Nine? Uh, yeah, I'd go eight, eight and a half. But, but then again, how can you get much better? So, yes, Villa did overspend, but as I said, it's uh, all in or nothing. So, uh, your personal pick of the transfer window of the summer of 2016, Dan, is? Tommy Elphick, proper captain, leader, certifiably insane, I think, which is is, um, definitely captain material (laughs) for me. I I like everything about him. I think that we we haven't had anyone who you think... Yeah, yeah, he's with me now. Um, he's I was going to say you got a got a big opinion on somebody you haven't met. I like everything about him. Oh, yeah. I don't think I want to meet him. The guy's crazy, uh, <laughs> but he's that crazy. I I, I don't know. I, I I like him. He's got that sort of. Um, he's he's determined. He's he's for the I, cause, isn't he? Yeah, and 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 you can tell he's one of those people I imagine really enjoys playing football as well, <laughs> and uh, running through brick walls and hopefully lifting the championship title for us. Yeah, I mean my personal choice. Uh, it's funny. I, I'm going to go for McCormack, who I didn't care at all to be spending uh, around twelve twelve million on him when when the first uh, first time he came came up in the in the papers. As, as a potential uh, Villa purchase, I was like, no, no, that's a waste of money. Too old, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And why hasn't anybody ever come in for him, like, on the top level? And, you know, the other discussion is yeah. Scottish yeah. International could do with a few nifty forward players. Why is he not in the setup? Mm-hmm. But, you know, after Absolutely. seeing him play, I'm thinking this guy, if he really catches fire, he could be the difference to get us right up there. And he could be the, the player that every other championship team wish they, they had. But at the same time, uh, he has to impose himself. If he doesn't impose himself, uh, I'm sure he'll chip in, but he won't be the difference that gets us there. I mean, that will be you know, an Elfink or a, or a Yedinak giving us something that we've been desperate mm-hmm. for, which is a proper leader, somebody who uh, the you know, fans can actually get behind because they see determination and fight, which uh, supporters should have from the stands, you know, kind of uh, personified in a, in a player. And, you know, Yedinak, you know, I might have gone for him, but, you know, has he still got the legs and the fights? Uh, you know, we shall see. Elfink has it, but, uh, you know, he had a had a bit of a shaky year last year because of his injuries. So has he recovered from that? So, you know, I'm going to go from McCormack. As I said uh, earlier, and if I didn't say earlier, then I was thinking it earlier. <laughs> and that's the, it all looks good on paper, this leaders all in the right places the uh, championship experience proven championship success it all looks good on paper it's just that can these guys rise one more time and not assume 
they're going to be getting promoted because you know oh, we've spent 50 million we've got a team together where you know we're seriously going to get you know mm-hmm. we're one of the favorites now just nobody else spent any money as we just said newcastle you know this it's kind of a lazy assumption to think that newcastle and villa because they have spent more than the rest of the league combined will essentially buy promotion it, don't think it really works that way in this league and the problem is it could go seriously if Villa don't get there and we chastise Villa for the other reason uh, in January uh, of last season for not spending and not gambling and not trying Mm -hmm. and not taking a punt and I found that you know that that hurts more when you don't go for it than going for it and you know if we don't make it and we spent 50 million then at least we fucking tried (laughs) I couldn't agree more. Do you think this team will gel? Because there's a lot of players in, and uh, some skeptics have said, "Well, uh, maybe it'll take a, another season to, uh, you know, get up there." Maybe, but what we've got the advantage of, I suppose, is that we've got an international break now, and there's a hell of a lot of games to play. There's a hell of a lot of games to play, and this can, this is correctable in yeah. January as well. No, that's that's. The situation is most teams already are kind of uh, capable of beating each other. So nobody's uh, 100%. I think if we could just get some a little bit of momentum so that we start to chip away and we start to keep ourselves in that top cluster of teams, I'd like to think, given the the level of investment and, and you know, with a few more methodical additions, maybe in January, you know, a couple of clever loans or something, um, you know, and if, and if we're in really good shape, you, that's when you perhaps can start cherry picking players from um, other championship clubs who yeah. aren't doing as well, or or you can then start to approach Premier League players who, or, or players around Europe, who you can say, look, we're we're going to make this push, and you know, we're going to be back in the Premier League next season. Come to us for you know six yeah. months or with a view to a permanent sign. Upshot is Dr. Tony and Keith Wynas have delivered in terms of financially they've delivered in terms of getting the team that's uh de Matteo, steve clark etc wanted and i think uh dr tony actually said at least we've got the uh i mean this i think this is before deadline day said at least we've got the basic eight players that de Matteo wanted so is it now a case of over to you de Matteo? you have the tools for the job get on with it yeah, he's much better resourced than he was a month ago Judging from uh, what we've seen from the doc, how patient do you think he will be with De Matteo? Time will tell on that one. I, I get the impression not very. I'd, I'm not quite sure what lends me to believe that, but he doesn't seem to suffer fools, does he? I think there was a tweet where Dr. Tony made the point, perhaps to a fan or somebody who, who'd contacted him about the fact that you know, Di Matteo now has these signings and, and he can get on with the job, really. Ultimately, Di Matteo will be judged against how he does. That These are, these are players that apparently Di Matteo's picked and, and you know, the list was given to, to Wynas and, uh, and to Tony to, to recruit. I have to say, I think our defence is strong enough. I think we've got a lot of firepower yeah. and we've shored up the midfield. The, the, only issue, the only glaring issue I could see us possibly having is the African Cup of Nations could be a bit of a hiccup yeah. for us if we, you know, because that's going to change our personnel and the goalkeeper. Maybe a bit of squad depth issue, but you know, we're he's what a matter of weeks and months into actually owning the yeah. club. So in terms of players, there's not a fat lot more. He yeah, no, I agree with you there. I think it's uh, as as well set up for the promotion. Probably maybe a little bit better than I expected. To be to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And uh, we're at the races now. We just obviously need to start getting the points on the board. The interesting distinction is that 
there's a certain mentality, as, as I just said, fans will think it is over to you now, De Matteo, because you've got the tools. And if he fails, it would seem that the fans would be on, you know, obviously Tony's side to get rid of him. But at the end of the day, De Matteo is Tony's. That was his first big decision. And he went against the grain, all that kind of uh, due diligence in terms of recruiting a, a new manager for, for Villa. And Nigel Pearson was the man that was uh, had the attributes to Mm. knuckle down and drag us out of this league and Tony's first big decision was to go against that and get into Matteo so uh, it's you know it's, it's definitely going to get get interesting that's for sure okay right just to round this off let's go for five reasons to be cheerful about the transfer window Dan you can go for the first stab an actual transfer window where we had interest as, <laughs> interest as Aston Villa fans and where it didn't end with Jemba Jemba being paraded as the as the glorious saviour of our football club. You know, we had we had signings galore. And number two? Jolian Lescott being sent to the glue factory. <laughs> I thought that was... It's a bit, a bit harsh. I mean, AEK Athens is, you know, is a club with great tradition and they don't normally do exterminations. <laughs> No, but they are using their German bailout money to purchase dubious former England internationals. Just don't tell Angela Merkel. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for the whole leader thing. You know, your you Jedinax, your Elfinks. Something that we haven't had. Mm. Uh, yeah, something somebody you can root for. That You know, the uh, I mean, a bit of pluck and fight yeah, yeah. of previous seasons. Absolutely. At least there'll be a bit of heart there, hopefully. Number four. I, I really enjoyed watching the Joe Bennett debacle player. I thought that was just a hilarious... I, I thought it showed all of the pitfalls of social media playing out before us. It was uh, brilliant because not only did it infuriate Sheffield Wednesday fans when <laughs> when Tony, Tony clearly decided, oh, I'm going to sell to anyone but you. He did, he did have um, a passing shot uh, against them as well, didn't he, in, in that tweet? He, he, he did. Um, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was <laughs> not the most subtle. in terms of his subtle uh, in subtleness because uh, he had a little little shot at Newcastle before. Has he had to go at the Blues? I mean, that's going to come. That's going to come. I think he, he had a disagreement with Rangers as well, didn't he? he disagreed with Rangers' uh, statement. And then the Joe Bennett incident, where. Obviously, uh, Bennett was referring to uh, him and uh, the way it kind of uh, was resolved. uh, He made out that Bennett was talking about something else. This is like an additional theme to this season is uh, as well as what's going on the pitch. And obviously that mission to get promoted is uh, how is this uh, whole social media experience going to kind of implode, explode or uh, be furiously entertaining? What's the worst that can happen? Well, we're going to find out, I'm sure. <laughs> the situation that I think grows the concern is if this is how he reacts in this situation, let's call it uh, refreshingly unprofessional, how does he react mm. in bigger, let's say more uh, volcanic, in a real crisis. volcanic situation? I've, I've, I mean, it got it's got to the point uh, over the last week, that I've I've even forgot that De Matteo was the manager. <laughs> yeah, well, he, well he's, uh, he is literally like he's won a competition to manage a football club, hasn't he? And he's he's wandering around now. He's got his he's got his players in, and a bit like it football is a little bit like that, that, you know, 
It is, it is, isn't it? And I wonder whether it's kind of good for Dimitar because I suppose it keeps the spotlight spotlight off. It's kept the spotlight off um, yeah, Keith Wyness yeah. as well. Yeah, completely, um, because when you consider how uh, Tom Fox was pushed forward, I mean, it wasn't really yeah. his fault because he wasn't actually seeking the limelight. It was just because Randy Lerner was so absent that he was the only, you know, he was he turned out to be the dartboard, the punching bag, and uh, everything in between. But if there has been anything that, and this has become more apparent to me in the last few days, and it's something that I don't think I'd really thought about at any great length, Tony has massively raised the profile of Aston Villa over the last five or six weeks. Some of it for the wrong reasons, and but it depends whether he prescribes to the theory that all publicity is, is good publicity. But he's so visible. He's been there's, so yeah, visible. there's two train of thoughts. I mean, I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't really analysed it or looked into it too much, but what other fans are perceiving and, and are relaying what I've seen at the corner of my eyes, and that's some fans who are saying, oh, I wish our chairman was like this, and I wish... Uh, you know, all chairmen were like this. Well, other fans are going, this guy's a clown, mm. which you're going to get anyway. I think let's move on to the fifth one. And uh, I'm going to say we have a real shot of promotion now, which two, three weeks ago, I, I was still thinking mm, next season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we've gone from a position where, I mean, imagine that we hadn't added Yedinak. Imagine that we had, hadn't added McCormack even or um, or Kojic. Where where was the driver going to be? I think a doma could be as crucial yeah. actually, because what we've what we've done is we've swapped out a raw and a player clearly didn't want to be at the club and hadn't actually shown a great deal for someone who's been there, done it, got the t shirt. You know who's going to play at least thirty games this season, and I think he's he's his record's pretty decent actually in terms of uh... almost an ever present, yeah. Which uh, is the kind of people we're needing because uh, old Ross McCormack's going to spend a lot of time uh, on the sidelines just being suspended <laughs> with yeah. his uh, yellow card a game uh, ratio at the moment. That's one thing uh, where you might um and R is if we get to January and a lot of those guys have uh, made the trip uh, to to the uh, African Cup of Nations and then suddenly, I don't know, like Ross McCormack gets injured and Elfink gets injured. In recent years, we've had uh, long-term injuries as well. So uh, you get one or, yeah, one or two of those in the wrong position and then suddenly you're missing your main guys in the African nations. And yeah, I mean, there are ultimately there are going to be some things that are completely out of our control, you know. So, listeners, what did you think about the uh, transfer window? Are you uh, confident that this is the Villa Army to take us back into the Premier League where we belong? Send us a send us a tweet. The Twitter addresses will be in the uh, the links on uh, the page of this. Whether you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud or or whatever way form means. Uh, and also, uh, and of course, on those formats, if you like the show and uh, you want us to continue and get better and uh, add more dimension, uh, make sure you uh, give us a thumbs up or a heart or a five stars or a review and, you know, let us know. Uh, if you hate the show, give us five stars and then say how much you hate the show, because that way everybody wins <laughs> and the world's in perfect equilibrium. So this show focused on the, the, the summer transfer window and uh, we'll be doing another show before uh, Villa uh, play Nottingham Forest where we'll be previewing that game as well as looking quickly back uh, to what's happened so far in the season and hopefully uh, all the ills will be remedied by what we've seen in the transfer window. Until next time, I've been David Michael and 
I've been Dan Rogers. My old man said. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.